Hey everyone, Double G from the Fight Game Podcast and Fight Game Media. We're doing a $25 Amazon gift card giveaway. The way to enter is to rate and review us five stars on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. How do you do that? Take a screenshot and send that screenshot to gg at fightgamemedia.com. We'll keep this going for two weeks. At the end of the two weeks, we'll choose a winner via random and email that winner. Unfortunately, because of how this stuff generally works, we can only do this for U.S. residents. We're very sorry about that. Make sure you also subscribe or follow our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast. This also helps us out a ton. Thank you very much. Now, on to the show. Welcome, everyone, to the Take It Home Podcast. I'm your host, John LaRocca. On today's episode, we're going to stay in the international wrestling scene. Last week, I covered WXW out of Germany and Passion Pro out of Hungary. Got some great responses on those episodes. And as promised, I'm going to cover this week Insane Championship Wrestling out of Glasgow, Scotland. And on the currently on the Peacock Network, they loaded up a special event from Insane Championship Wrestling, their Fear and Loathing event, nights one and night two. These took place on November 20th and November 21st. So I'm going to cover specific matches from those events. I'm not going to cover it in every, go through every match on that card, but certain matches that really caught my eye. Now, I've never seen Insane Championship Wrestling before. I've, I've heard about them, of course. Um, a lot of big matches happened there. A lot of great athletes came out of there. Drew McIntyre, Wolfgang, Damo, um, plenty of great stars, uh, the Coffee Brothers. And I just, you know, like I talked about last week, you know, when the UK scene was extremely hot, you know, I was so busy booking all pro wrestling. And since we weren't flying any international talent out, you know, I mostly focused on talent in the United States. So um, I did start to get into the UK scene with via NXT UK and through the Peacock Network or actually WWE Network at the time. They started putting on the quote unquote the indie section on their network, which covered, which added progress, which added WXW and ICW. And ICW was one of the promotions I just haven't watched yet. I watched Progress, I watched WXW. So I was always curious about Insane Champions Wrestling. I just never had a chance to check it out. So with on this show, what caught my eye about ICW, a match that I just had to see was when I was looking on Twitter and I saw that Andy Wilde posted a shot of Andy Wilde is a wrestler from ICW, and he posted, you know, a post about his recent match with Damo, the former Killian Day in NXT. And I was like, man, I can't wait to see that matchup. I think I even tweeted him like, oh man, I hope that's on going to be on the uh, on the Peacock Network. And he responded back saying it's going to be on there in a couple weeks. So I made a point to check it out. And then when I saw they have announced that it was finally loaded on the Peacock Network. It was the same time that WXW loaded up True Colors, which featured the match I covered last week between the WXW champion uh, champion at the time, Marius Alani, 
versus Axel Tischer, the former Alexander Wolf in NXT. So I dove deep into ICW. I watched both events. I Like I said, I didn't watch all the matches. I only watched the matches that caught my attention. For sure, I covered Andy Wilde versus, versus Damo, which I'm going to talk about here. And the reason why they cover all the matches is because honestly, when they when they run down the card on each show, they right when you open up, they have a nice opener opening, and they showed the graphics. A lot of guys on this event didn't pass the eye test. And what's the eye test? The eye test is when you see someone and they're just not impressive looking, right? It's just, you just don't want to watch that match. And honestly, ICW has a lot of talent that, for me, doesn't pass my eye test. A lot of guys that, to me, just look like local Weekend Warrior type guys. And honestly, not interested in watching those guys. I'm not, Granted, I've booked a many a Weekend Warrior for all pro wrestling, even for Premier Wrestling. Actually, not really for Premier Wrestling. Premier Wrestling, I was really looking for the guys that were going to go beyond Premier. That's what I really wanted. APW, we used a lot of our local talent. Of course, we brought in a lot of talent, but we filled the undercard with the local talent. Uh, but they were, you know, they had to be really good and and so i'd work with the promoter on that and there's certain guys that he had to have on and i and i i would book because he had to have them on but for the most part the local talent was the local talent because you know you, you know you, you they're not going to be the highest budget guys um you know because you you're flying in guys so those guys are the high price guys those are the guys that are really selling the tickets the local guys um you know they do sell tickets to their friends and family, but they're not bringing the the, the people that are just you know not going to show up. Your local, your core audience, dude, they they're going to be the the fly-ins are going to be the people that are gonna just like, oh man, I gotta see that guy, I gotta see that girl. You know, I can't believe they're in my area this week. So, um, you know, not knocking these guys. I'm just saying, you know, I like to see the future stars. I want to see when I'm watching the promotion. I want to see. Who has that look that's going to catch my eye that I can see, yeah, I can see that guy or gal in a major promotion today. So so that's why I didn't really cover all the matches. Some some guys just, like I said, look like local the, the local Weekend Warrior type. And, that, and like I said, that's cool. But I'm going to cover a couple matches on this show. Specifically a match, a couple matches from the first night, a couple matches from night two. Um, and it's it was uh you know overall a fun event. I really liked overall production of Insane Championship Wrestling. Um, I liked the the look of the building they were in. I thought they shot it really well. Um, I couldn't tell how many people they had there. It was dimly lit, like you know, with the audience, which I like. I like when I like sometimes you can see the audience in the background, but sometimes I like when it's like a movie. You darken the crowd and you just focus on the ring. Right, they have a nice entranceway, professional entranceway, professional lighting in this building. Um, one of the true, one of the stars for me on this show was the ring announcer. His name is Simon Cassidy. Per- complete professional, has the tux, great voice. You know, he just does his job. He's not out there to get himself over, and I really love that. And he, 
and since he is so professional, it puts me in a mood. I'm going to watch a professional event. I'm not watching just some ham and eggers out there doing an indie show. So I really appreciate Simon Cassidy. I think, you know, he's a guy you can fly out just to ring it out. That's how good he is. I think he's uh, would be great. I know like WWE really wants to do a lot of the female ring announcers and the ones they have are pretty good. Like, the, you know, um, NXT UK has a good one though. She doesn't, they don't really show her on screen. She does it off screen, which is, I always find, find interesting, but, uh, you know, NXT in the United States here has, her, she's really good. So, but, um, for NXT UK, I would love to see this guy, this Simon Cassidy guy, be their ring announcer. That's actually on screen. So, because he's, like I said, really, really good and reminds me a little Howard Finkel-ish. You know, that's that's that's, that's a, um, a kind of a major compliment because Howard Finkel, to me, was the greatest. But, like, just that professionalism, right? And I looked forward to him calling calling the match like you know to do the ring announcing for the match as the guys came out i didn't skip the entrances when the of a match i want to watch i didn't skip an entrance one because i want to see their poise i want to see their presence i want to see how they carry themselves like a star as they make their way to the ring but also i really want to hear simon cassie's call because he was so good so he like he was my highlight one of my major highlights icw and i would just watch icw just for simon cassie because this guy is professional, and um, and uh, and I I can't wait to see this guy do bigger and better things. I like I would hope, you know, WWE would 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 sign this guy and use him and do pro wrestling again and make it a sport again. I know, at least for NXT UK, which is more sports based of all of their brands, right? Um, I would like I said when things start going opening up again in the UK scene where they're in the United Kingdom specifically, where in London, where where in NXT UK is filmed, when they can, you know, because really the restrictions for COVID is really tight there. And once things start opening up a little bit more, I mean, they have like about 50, 40 to 50 fans are allowed in that PT, that PT Sports Arena. Um, they start doing bigger buildings. I would love to see this guy do the ring announcing for NXT UK. So... And, you know, I'm going to cover, like I said, cover some unique matches on this show. Uh, there was one match between an MA fighter and a pro wrestler that really caught my attention. Oh, and also I want to talk about what I really appreciate about these these this event, these two events. Um, they would do video packages and tell the backstory, how we got to this match and what the issue is between these two wrestlers. Or in this case, there was a wrestler and an MMA fighter. Um, I really like that because it really, it really, as a new viewer, got me up to date. What was going on? Who's the heel? Who's the baby face? So I really, I really appreciate that. And like, they have a really good production team. You know, that's another star of this show was the production team, the video editing. I really like that. Um, the commentators were good. Um, I, ICW is 18 plus attendance. It's a for, it's an older crowd. It's a. Uh, I, I was looking doing some research online. It was considered the ECW right of that scene, um, and so there's a, there's a lot of foul language for with 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 the ringing out with, with not the ringing out. Excuse me. He was great <laughs> with the play by play guys. There was some f bombs dropped, and 
you know, I just not a fan of that. But like the wrestlers would cuss and stuff like that. But again, that's their audience. There's there's no kids in there. You have to get 18 plus to be in this building, I believe. So um, it's a very adult oriented show. Um, they also had uh, two backstage interviewers, two ladies who that who did a great job. I did not write their names down, and I apologize for that. I should have been more prepared here, but they, I thought they were really good. Um, they were they asked great questions, and it was presented respectfully. It was it wasn't a gag. It wasn't it wasn't uh, it wasn't played up to some goofiness. So it was, you know, interviewer and talent, interview er, and wrestler. Hey, what's going on in this match? What happened after this match? Like they just got to the point. It was professional quality stuff from, like I said, from the ring announcer to the interviewers to the production. So that really, really impressed me. And as a viewer, as a new viewer, made it worth my time to sit down and watch some of these matches, and so impressed. I'm a you know I know ICW like like I said I was watching Progress, I was watching WXW, and um, you know I took a little break from that. I kind of got back into it again with those two promotions, specifically WXW, because when I saw the True Colors show loaded up, I'm like I have to watch that. I have to see that main event, and so. That really spiked my interest again. So I'm like, you know, I got to give ICW some love because I haven't watched it. And I know they've had, you know, during the pandemic, they have had empty arena shows. And honestly, when I would kind of skim their, uh, what they had on the network and the little preview icon, a lot of the, like I said, a lot of the guys honestly didn't pass my eye test. Like I had to see that match or have to see that show um what kind of drew me to icw was andy wilde who's in the match with damo the former killian dane of nxt and he was made some appearances on nxt uk i really liked his work there so i said okay he is there so i want to watch more of his matches so that's what brought me to icw ultimately was andy wilde and and I'm, I would say, like, beyond, like, a lot of the guys that didn't pass my eye test, there was guys that did, and some women as well. Though, I'm going to just quickly talk about a women's match on the show, but I'm not going to really go too detailed into it because it, the match wasn't the best, but I saw great potential there, with, especially with one of the women. And actually both women, but one really stood out to me. Her name is Mo- Molly Sparta, and... She really stood out to me as a future talent. So before I get into that, I want to talk about what we got going on on Fight Game Media Plus. That's our Patreon. Um, you know, we'll we'll get back to this show in a second. But I wanted to tell you about what we're doing for our bonus Patreon show in January. Garrett's been bugging me. John, get on this. Make a list. Go on the list do a show uh, for the Patreon, a special show, and I and I, I plan on doing that for sure. Now, these special shows 
will be, you know, feeds, you hear it on the free feed here, but these are special shows that you have to go on the Patreon. It's only $5 a month, and I hope you like Take It On Podcast, and I hope you want to follow us to the Patreon and, you know, support us with a, you know, checking out Fight Game Media Plus for the very first time. A lot of great shows, a lot of great content on there. Um, again, only $5. Give us a shot for a month. If you don't like it, you can always unsubscribe, and I get it, and, you know, you know, and I just appreciate you just giving us a shot. Just give us a chance. And um, what the show I want to do for January is I, you know, one of my good friends, uh, Antonio Promise Thomas, former WWE star from the Heartthrobs, um, in OVW, and he also has a great podcast called uh, "I Left My Wallet" on the Wrestling Observer website. Um, and you know him. Him and I are really good friends. We talk wrestling like every day. We're always texting each other back and forth about matches we watch, psychology, and I love talking to him about pro wrestling because you know even though I've been around in wrestling for a very long time, as I was always taught, you never stop learning in this business. And I and I'm just like I'm like a sponge for knowledge. I want it all. I want to hear different philosophies from different people who experience different things. Of course, he's experienced some great things with all just the most amazing training from the Kowalski School to OVW to going to the main roster in WWE and working with some great talent. And, you know, I learned so much from these our text message conversations or our phone call conversations. And, and I really appreciate respect his opinion and so i love as people know from who listen to me on the fight game media podcast and from here take it home podcast that i love the young talent i love seeing young talent grow from the indie level up i've always as a booker as a promoter i've always looked always kept my eye on who's coming up on our local scene, who's coming up in our surrounding areas that have potential to be a star on a major promotion, right? So I was always just kind of finding the next guy, finding the next guy. And I, it's just a passion of mine. I just love it. And I love the not only, not just to book them, not just to book them, but also book them and also talk to them, also get in their head to see, you know, and, and kind of like help them progress in wrestling. Uh, you know, you know, if I see some issues in their work, this is what you could do better. This is what you can work on. And I just enjoy working with young talent, you know, like Jeff Cobb. When I, you know, discovered him in 2012 out of Hawaii and, you know, and, and look at him now, right? I'm not saying I was the one that, you know, you know, trained him or anything. I'm just saying like, you know, I I brought him over. I I convinced him to come to the United States, or keep you know, not starting. Come to the mainland. He's you know, and why is in the United States already? Uh, Sound like my wife right now. It's pretty funny. Um, and I convinced him to come over to the mainland because you know he's literally on an island in Hawaii, and come out here. I set him up with a great training school, with a great great trainer in Oliver John, and the rest is history for him. He did it all, you know, because he's a super talent. Uh, you know, Timmy Thatcher, just on our local scene, like two and a half hours away, 
game opportunity in APW, which APW and our other California areas, the you know the top wrestling promotion, and through our YouTube and everything, a lot of people saw Thatcher, boom, and you know Jungle Boy. When I came back to book APW, it was just on on the show and no direction and. I got behind him and I talked to him. We worked together and we started giving him a push in APW. So I just love to break down young talent and to to see their potential. And with Thomas Thomas, former trainer, who's been trained by the best, who's been all over the world, like I want to get with him and let's break down five young wrestlers, you know, coming up. Hook. Maybe a Brock Anderson. You know, like, let's just break their work down. And I would love to hear what Promise ha- hit with his opinion on what they need to improve on and what they need to do to take that next level. So that's what I want to plan. Do plan. That's what I want planned for Fight Game Media Plus Patreon. Again, only $5 to check out our special show. And he also, for the whole month of that time, you check out the Fight Game Media Plus, there's all this other great content. And, you know, I do a show on there with Gary Gonzalez, Raw 1997. Now we're in the Raw 1998 we're retro. We're looking at those shows. It's been a lot of fun. And, gosh, here comes 1998, and it's going to be wild. It just gets crazier during these Monday Night Wars. Uh, Brace for Impact podcast with uh, with my boys, Mike Gilbert and J.D. Oliva. They have an awesome show about Impact Wrestling. Even if you don't even watch Impact Wrestling, you're going to love listening to this show because these guys are so damn entertaining. Uh, we have a great Joshi show on there on the Patreon. If you're into Joshi wrestling, women's wrestling, you'll definitely love that. So, um, yeah, so let's get into ICW Fear and Loathing number 13, night one, night one and night two. And like, again, we're only going to be cover, covering specific matches from that show. And the opening match on night one was for the ICW Zero Gravity Type Championship, Daz Black versus Francesco Akira. And Francesco Akira, I've seen before. He was a guy that I remember on our Fight, Book, Fight Game Media Facebook page, I shared a clip of a match that he was in. I said, here's one a young kid to watch. And, and this is from All Japan. He was out there training... Um, did some of their junior stuff and he really impressed me like he he just had something he's Italian kid and I was like man this kid has something he's gonna be has a really bright future kind of reminded me when I first saw Sean Waltman the one you know uh, uh, the lightning kid at a global wrestling I just you know a wiry little kid but you just saw the talent and you know he's done really well in all Japan um, he's won their All Japan Junior Championship. And so now he's popping up all over on the UK scene because of that experience with All Japan. And, you know, he's going to do, I think he's going to do the uh, 16 Carat Tournament from WXW coming up in 2022, which is going to be uh, uh, this year now. Gosh, Happy New Year, everyone. And it's going to be, he's going to be making even more waves. So, and then, of course, going back to All Japan, I, I assume, and just even better there. So, and Daz Black really kind of caught my attention, like just look wise. You know, he reminds me of a young Ricky Steamboat with look, great tan, great hair, great look, as I said. And I was really impressed 
buy that. And I was like, all right, I really want to see this match because I am a, uh, like I said, I do enjoy uh, Francesco Kira's work. I want to see what they're going to do. Now, again, this match was for the ICW Zero Gravity title, which is their, I assume, is their Cruiserweight Championship, Junior Heavyweight Championship. And when TNA started, what was that, 2001, you know, the creation of the X Division title. So all these promotions had to have some, like, funky name for their, quote-unquote, Cruiserweight Championship. And so I guess this is, you know, why we have Zero Gravity title. Um, I liked it when it was just World Junior Championship or Junior Heavyweight Championship or Lightweight Championship. I remember reading the back of the uh, what was that Inside Wrestling, which was a sister publication of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. You flip to the back of the book; they had a list of all the current champions. Well, current champions as far as like six weeks ago, right? Because those, those magazines were always kind of like six weeks behind or four weeks behind, and you could easily see who all the champions were and who the and what the champions were. And there wasn't like you didn't see like. I wonder what a zero gravity title would be, right? There was no funky names on those in those lists. It was all credible championship names like light heavyweight, junior heavyweight, world heavyweight, obviously, or heavyweight triple crown. Like you knew, okay, well that sounds like the the most the biggest championship in that company, right? If you didn't know, like all Japan, uh, you know, titles. Like it it was easy to figure out what was what and. Nowadays, you have Zero Gravity Championship, you have Laser Championship. You know, it's just like people have so many funky like names for the Junior Heavyweight Championship. I remember APW, I think Marcus wanted to call it the Dragonfly Championship. And I was like, oh, man, dude, like, let's just call it lightweight. You know, like it just it's, it's people just kind of get too creative, like, you know, to for their own good. And it's like, you know, let's let's not get let's not get too creative. It's going to like just make a joke out of it but you know zero gravity is not bad and i get it but you know it's for the lighter wrestlers and this match here like i said i was looking forward to it once i you know once i saw who was in it uh like i said daz black daz black again remind me just a young ricky steamboat look guy that's how that's how he looked and i'm not a fan of that name though daz black just really that doesn't really pass the name the name the name the name list for me, I'm when I hear his name, but like I said, he's a good looking kid, so I checked it out. And this match was honestly for me disappointing. What I got was a typical match that I would see on, like I said, almost any show you watch this day. It's a very modernized match. Um it had, you know. A lot of action, a lot of spots. Um, a lot of times they would just go right back to exchanging forearms, the middle of the ring, that old strong style stuff, which it's just momentum killer, guys. Like, let's cut that crap out. Especially, okay, this is the opener. <laughs> I know it's for a title, but like, <clears throat> save if you're going to do that spot where you know you're going toe to toe in the middle. Save it for the main events and save it to where you both are, you know, selling and and stumbling and not just sitting there just throwing forms back and forth that usually they don't look good, right? Um, both guys, of course, really good athletes. I was hoping to see, since Francesco Kira 
has that international experience in Japan, former All Japan Junior Champion. I really want him to see him play that veteran who's <coughs> really going to make Daz Black earn this victory. Because, yeah, I figured Daz Black was, was going over. He's the local guy. And I want to see, you know, them build to that. And they t- sort of told that story. Like, again, it was just a lot more action. There's, the selling was just eh. You know, like, they could have told a better story. to be in the modernized, back and forth, super kicks to each other, and blah, blah, blah. So, <coughs> a bit disappointed in that. But that being said, Daz Black really... Someone I would definitely have a big interest in in the future, seeing how where he goes. He's been doing this for six years, but still, still looks you know still green and still growing, and and I think he's a guy that at least an NXT UK would would want to have on their roster because, like I said, he's perfect for for television. Excuse me, of course. My now my as I do my podcast, my throat starts getting a little sore. <laughs> And uh, I don't know why it always does that, but it's it's just makes I'm just talking so much. You know, it's hard to do these one man shows, but I love it. It's a challenge, and you know, just you got to push through, right? So, on the next match, this was the match that really caught my attention as I was watching the announcement of the matches on the opener, and they did a great video package <coughs> setting up this matchup between. The MA fighter versus the pro wrestler. The MA fighter is Chris Bungard and the bad guy, Chris Bungard. And he is a MA fighter with a 15 and 9 and 0 record. He's fought for Bellator. He's gone 2 and 3 in Bellator. So, you know, he ha- you know has some credentials. And, um, and he, you know, he, I think he even said he won four championships on the, on the regional scene during his, uh, during his, uh, MA career, so and obviously you can tell, I can tell right away this guy's a pro wrestling fan, and he, and you could tell he really got pro wrestling. It wasn't just this wasn't just a gimmick, you know. Like he he loves he loves wrestling as well as a fan of it, and and they told the story with him and his opponent Jason Reed, and what I like it was kind of interesting because during the during how this all started was Jason Reed's in a match at their local studio show uh, called Fight Club. And Jason Reed takes a bump and goes into the guardrail and kind of knocks into Chris Bungard, right, at ringside. And where Chris Bungard's at, on two sides of the ring, there's only, like, enough room for, like, a row of people. It's, like, kind of standing room only to lean against the wall and watch the show. So it gives, like I said, a Fight Club feel, as the show is called, Fight Club. And what was interesting is that from the clip, Chris Bungar's the one that shoves, you know, they jaw jack, but Chris Bungar's the one that shoves Jason Reed, who's the heel first. So that was weird. And and I would I wouldn't have booked it that way. You know, this was like a take for me when I saw it of the Lawrence Taylor Bam Bam Bigelow deal, right? If you remember Lawrence Taylor at the Royal Rumble, what was that nineteen God, ninety-five? And 
you know, Bam Bam Bigger just lost a match. People are laughing. He's working his way around ringside, trying to get the people to just laugh at him. And the ringing out, the, the commentators, excuse me, are saying they're laughing at this guy for losing to the, I think it was one, two, three kid. And it was by the Bob Holly or something like that and, in a match. Oh, they lost to the little guys. And ah, ha, 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 you know, and finally he, he goes to Lawrence Taylor's at, who's at front row, and Lawrence Taylor's laughing too. And he's like, you got something funny with me laughing at me. And he, of course, shoves Lawrence Taylor down. And Lawrence Taylor and him started getting his little confrontation. So, I thought that, so something similar I thought they should have done here is the heel, Jason Reed, should have been the one that kind of pushed <laughs> uh, Bungard first. That just, that's what, you know, that's why it didn't make sense. So I, so I first thought, okay, maybe the MMA fire is the heel. But no, you know, Jason reads the heel in this match from what they did in the match and his demeanor and everything. Um, this had a lot of heat. Uh, crowd was actually 50-50, really. Um, they, there's, a big, there's a big fan base for Jason Reed. There was a big fan base there for Chris Bungard. So a lot of noise. Um, they really built this up well. Like I said, Beyond the first uh, moment of the angle... The rest of it was really built well, so they really got the interest, the local interest going with these fans. There were fans. Fans were just really pumped for this match. And Jason Reed, this kid's a future star. I think he's like 20, still in his 20s. Um, he, I think he's like 26. He's one of those guys in his 30s going to look young. He just has, you know, his, his great look, great poise when he comes out as a heel. Like just arrogance and the way he carries himself. And he feels like a future big star. So I was really pumped to watch this match. And then Chris and bad guy, Chris Bungar, who's of course, I mean, 15 to nine and, you know, Oh, and you know, fights, right? Like he's, he's, he just brings that same demeanor. Like this is real fight, you know? So I love that. So I'm in this match right away. Um, the rules of this match are pinfall submission or KO, which I was like, Oh, Man, I mean, they're going to go on the floor. They're going to do a lot of goofiness. Probably using tables. Luckily, no tables, but there was chair shots in this. But there was a chair shot that happened during the buildup. So I, it, it did make sense why they would use a chair. Um, I thought the opening spot was great. Um, Bungard starts you know, punching Reed in the corner. The referee you know, pulls pulls uh Bungard out, you know, and then Reed takes a cheap shot with an eye poke and starts getting on Bungard, but Bungard ended up doing the big suplex, mounting, throwing down punches, going for the rear naked choke, and then Jason Reed quickly gets the ropes. Now, it could have been a lot better if they would if the referee would have probably done his job well. The referees here aren't the best. I would say that ICW. A lot of them are tall, like like uh, giant referees that kind of like even during the match with uh, on night two with Andy Wilde and Damo, which is a battle of the big man. Like the referees just as big, like height wise, right? So um, the referee here was tall, and and he just pulled Bungard out into the middle of the ring, and that's when. She, Jason Reed had to fly in and go for the eye, the eye poke. What should have happened is as, as you know, Chris Bungard gets him in the corner, starts throwing punches, the rules in a wrestling match are you have a five count when someone's in the corner. So it should be one punch, one, 
punch, two, three. And the referee should kind of get the four, but see like, oh, man, he's going to lose it. I don't want to disqualify him right now because this is a big match. So the referee should get him by the waist, turn his back to the the person that's in the corner, and and the, starts pulling out the guy who's delivering the offense out of that corner and pull him out. As the referee's pulled him out and his head's tucked away, that's when Jason Reed should pop up and do the thumb the eye. So the referee sees the thumb and eye. I know technically it's only pinfall. Submission and KO, and I, I guess that means it's going to be a no disqualification if he can use chairs, obviously. But come on, like, there's no heat if the referee sees it. That's what I'm saying. Even in a in a match with a no disqualification, so the heel needs to take cheap shots behind the referee's back to get some heat. So um, I like the idea of the opening spot, what they're going for. I like that it shows right away that oh shit, Chris Bungarner. Chris, I want to say Bungarner because. You know, my favorite, one of my favorite Giants pitchers in Major League Baseball is Mazin Bumgarner. So I want to say Bumgarner, but Chris Bungard, what I like, they established right away, like this guy's dangerous. Obviously, he's an MA fighter, and anytime he can just go for that finish. And for his 15 wins, I guess they said his long, you know, when his longest fight to get those victories was like a minute, 20, 20 seconds. So, they're really get going over, like, trying to get over, like, this guy can just finish you so fast, right? You know, after, you know, Reed got to the ropes when he was in the rear naked choke, he took a powder, uh, got back in, Bungar gave him a fireman's carry, then locked on a pro wrestling arm lock, then a regular side standing side headlock, then they did, like, elite frog spot. So this show that Bungar not just going to be an MA fighter versus pro wrestler. He has training in pro wrestling, so they get over that. Um, they end up on the floor, and Jason Reeds ends up whipping Bungard into the ring post. And I'm not a fan of whipping a guy into a ring post. I think you should always grab a guy by the back of the neck with both hands, not one. I see all the time one-handed because... Back in the 80s, even the 90s, the old run the guy in the corner or throw a guy in the post by one hand. No, it's two hands. Grab the guy by two hands and ram him in the post because it just it just looks bullshit. When Hogan get away with it because he was Hulk Hogan, a megastar, and he was so over that people saw through his bad fundamentals, right? But on this level... The fundamentals should be tightened up. And if you're Jason Reed, dude, grab either grab him by the trunks in the back of the neck or grab him by, with both hands on the back of the neck and one on the hair and just slam him into that ring post, right? They ended up doing another ring post shot later on. And, like, dude, just no. Stop. Stop with the ring post shots. One is enough. And honestly, in my opinion, I think it should only be done if it's going to lead to the finish. It should be it should be a bigger deal. I used to love it that Mid-South Wrestling in the 80s, Bill Watts, the ring post was done. If you did it, you were disqualified. And that's why they would always do it behind the referee's back because that's where you get the heat. Now we just do it because we just do it, right? It's like everyone goes through the steps in WWE. It's like no big deal. So, um. Eventually, they're on the as they're on the floor, 
Reed, Body Slams, Chris Bungard on the floor, on the stage. Really great sound, really good body slam. Big old bam. Uh, big reaction to the crowd. They just took too long to get there. <laughs> like they, the, the brawling just took too long to get there. Um, again, here's where the second post shot came in. After, and I was like, okay, a little one too many on that. Uh, each guy had a second with them. Uh, Jason Reed had Coach Trip, and Chris Bungard had Rudo. So Rudo was on commentary during the match. And he did a great job in the video package where they had like a press conference, which I thought looked great. And Rudo cut a hell of a promo for Chris Bengard to lead up to this match. And as Reed is, you know, on top of Bungard on the floor, he starts jaw jacking with Rudo at ringside, who's doing commentary. That's where Coach Tripp, who Coach Tripp during the buildup, had his arm broken by uh, by Bungard, right? By with the submission, so he came out with the with the arm in a sling. Obviously, he it wasn't broken, and behind the referee's back, hit the guy with the chair. So, but it's like you do all that, like you already got the body slam, you know what I mean? Like you already got the bites on the floor, you already got the post, and now you're doing this. It's just that's a little. It's honestly to me a little too much, right? And then we go back in the ring, and Jason Reed is did about what five chair shots. The um, the last one looked really unsafe. Um, I I mean Chris Bungard did turn his head, but it was one. It's like the Cactus Jack, you know, Ken Shamrock swinging the chair like a baseball bat to Cactus Jack, and you know, like or mankind. It just looked it it it's nasty for a guy that's you know competed in real fights and got hit in the face you know like it's ah it's just what we know about concussions and all that just, just that just worries me um bungard ends up making his comeback shortly after this he hits an exploder that really just drops poor jason reed right on the top of his head um i don't know what happened here but but bungard just doesn't look like he had any didn't explode enough with the hips to kind of get him over. So that was really scary and re needed some time. And eventually Bungard gets the sharpshooter and was an awesome spot. Like, cause people just got to their feet and reacted big and that should have been the go home move. And it wasn't. And he ends up getting out of it because coach trip pops up on the, on the apron and it distracts, you know, Bungars, and then they go for a few more. Big suplex ends up in a super superplex sock, excuse me, with Bungard on Reed, and then the rear naked choke for the finish. Like I said, it it was getting too long after that sharpshooter. And the pop of the rear naked superplex. Superplex got a good reaction. It's a superplex from the MA fighters, and it looked good. But the rear naked choke finish just wasn't as didn't get the pop as that sharpshooter was. So hindsight 2020, um, you know, obviously they had this match planned out, and you know that's what's wrong. You know, honestly, it's like that's what's wrong with wrestling for a long time. Not just these guys. I mean, just it's just you know everything's so planned out now that the art of listening to the crowd to keep that ear open and so like you know once he has that sharpshooter on that press going nuts that's where it should have been because it was just poetic justice 
that an MA fighter beats a pro wrestler with quote quote a pro wrestling submission hold, just like in 1995 at the Tokyo Dome in October when uh, Keiji Muto defeated Takata with the figure four because Takata was from UWFI, which was a, a shoot style promotion. It was worked, but it's shoot style. And they had a lot of people convinced that, you know, UWFI was real and Takata was a real deal. Of course, when they ended up on financial hard times, they had to go to New Japan um, to do some business. And New Japan at that point held all the cards. So the first meeting, New Japan went over. And since UWFI, their whole gimmick was we're real, pro wrestling's not. The finish was that Riki Toshu booked was Keiji Muto going over with submission with a pro wrestling move, the figure four. So similar. That's what they should have took that and went with with here. And I think it would have been awesome if the finish was that sharpshooter. And that would look great. So I love Chris Bungard. I think he did a great job. And I hope this is not his last wrestling match. From what I seen on, like I, you know, I, I followed him on Twitter, and I was reading some of his comments on there, and you could tell like he loves wrestling, and so I, I, I would definitely check out more matches from him in in his wrestling career. I think he has a a really bright wrestling career. Um, the next match, I'm not gonna go in too deep deep into it. It was for the ICW Women's Title. Uh, Marty. Sp- Oh, sorry, Marty Spartan. I call her Spartan. Marty Sparta, Spartan versus Angel Hayes. I seen Angel Hayes on NXT UK. Um, she did some uh, um, jobs on there. You know, she was there, brought as in the hands of talent. I thought she did a good job. Um, Marty Spartan, um, you know, reminds me of uh, a Piper Niven build, right? Uh, and she came out for entrance. And you talk about poise, man. She looked like she was ready to fight, going to fuck you up. Like, it was like she was intense. I'm like, all right, I'm into this, right? So, and the match was, eh, it was okay. But what I liked is is, is uh, Molly Spartan's just, just her just demeanor. And I was like, okay, she's only been wrestling, I think, for, what was like four or five years. So, I mean, still very green. But, man, that potential is there for something you know, to be like a just a another a, a good badass in women's wrestling. You know, a, a bull Nakano. Um, she you know shows some really good athleticism for her size. I, you know, she kind of reminded me of like a Terry Gordy a little bit. Like, so you know, I would love to see her. I know when the world starts opening up again, she'd be a great one to go to one of the Japanese women's promotions and. And get experience out there. I don't know. If she. I don't, I don't know. If she's done that yet, but um, I think it'd be great for her to go out there, get some cross training from you know the Japanese side. And I think she's going to be a, a would be a uh, a huge star. And I would think someone that WWE should look at in the future. Um, I don't know if <laughs> who knows what's going to happen with w, WWE when it comes to like NXT UK. Who does the hiring for that? Um, if it's John Laurinaitis, he would not. Unfortunately, he would not assign her because John Laurinaitis, he wants the swimsuit girls, right? That's always been the talk back in the day when he was the head of talent races back in the day. Now he's back again, and, it's just, and nothing's changed with his attitude, right? As you can see with NXT 
who they're pushing on that. Tiffany Stratton, Cora Jade, like that's who he wants to feature. Um, unfortunately, Modest Spartan wouldn't be in that what he likes, which is so freaking unfortunate because if you see this woman and you see what her her pres how she carries herself, how intense she is, I mean you just want to invest in her because what you have her what you have like you can't teach that poise, right? Just like Jason Reed, you can't teach that. You just have it. You have that it factor. That is part of the it factor. You know, when you person walks through that entranceway and you believe them who they are, that's that's something that a lot of people just don't get. You just have it, right? She has it. Just because she doesn't look like a swimsuit model, don't discount that. And it's so frustrating about wrestling today, or at least on you know WWE right now, is that they're going back to that. They're going back to the athletes. They're going back to um, the swimsuit models. And it just kills me because you have a, a woman like this. She could draw you money especially if she got into the w system i think a guy like Shawn michaels a guy like well he's not there anymore right now but you know scott garland um sky duhati you know the good really good trade okay it's just nxt uk if she went over there um those great trainers could really just bring that just to really dial down the work in the ring. But she has it on the outside. She already she has it in the personality. And I hope she gets an opportunity. I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. And I, if I was still booking today or promoting, I would, and, and I had the money to bring international talent over, I would invest in her. You know? And I would put her with women who could have really good matches with her. Because six, she's still very green. But God, that potential's there. So um, the main event of that of this night was Jackson, spelled J-A-X-N, versus Kez Evans. Jackson's a 13-year veteran coming back. Kez Evans, a seven-year vet, seven-year veteran. Um, this is for the ICW title, vacant in the ICW title. So I don't know. During the pandemic, they didn't have a champion. I don't know what happened, you know. Don't enter arena shows, whatever they're doing, but title's vacant, and these are the guys challenging for it. Um, I, I, I talk about they have a lot of, like I said, they have a lot of guys on this roster, a lot of talent on this roster. Excuse me, I should just keep it to the men. The hat to women, and also the women too, have, like I said, this presence. Kez Evans is one of them. Really good promo, good look. Um, and I, you know, he seems to be the guy they're they're really going to be building around ICW in the, for this you know, for the next few years, and as a top heel, like I said, carries himself really well. His work is overall good. Uh, I love this promo, especially on the um, on night two. He he cut a promo, which I'll talk a little about, and I could see like, okay, this guy is going to be a star in the future. As well, good size as well. Um, but this match was a little disappointing. 
it was all like Jackson as the babyface dominating. And at one point, there's a very scary moment in the match where Jackson picks up Kez Evans and crotches him on the ring post. Should be his qualification, right? But he crotches him on the ring post. And then he just falls back, like, falls back with him into a back suplex on the floor. But he doesn't just fall straight back and straight down. He kind of walks backwards a few steps and then drops him. And Kez Evans, back his head, hits the hits the hits the guardrail. And I'm just like, dude, like what the fuck? Really dangerous. And the match. Like I said, it was mostly dominated by the babyface, which is Dak Jackson. And so there was no, like, drama in this match. I didn't feel like I was watching. There's no ebbs and flows. It was just kind of like just one one gear. There was no gear change for me. Though I did like Jackson's demeanor. I liked his I liked his work. His stuff looked good. I mean, it just they didn't really tell the story that really, like, pulled me into a world title match. So, and, you know, at the end of the night, Jackson wins, and he's the champion. So that's how night one ended. Night two, and I'm going a little longer with this show than I wanted to, but you know what? Hey, a lot of matches to cover, so I hope you guys are sticking with me because I still got to get to that great uh, uh, sorry, Andy Wilder's demo match, which was one I really wanted to watch. So night two had a couple matches that I wasn't really going to cover, but then I was like, you know, as as I... As I was skimming through, and each match started happening, I started kind of checking things out. And um, KOE, which was Kai Williams King and King Killer, they had like a frat boy uh, uh, kind of gimmick. So I don't understand why their name's King Killer. One of the guys, they just look like a King Killer name, but um, versus uh, uh, Adam Max Max did and a uh, Luke Kyra. Luke Kyra was like this little skinny little. Look like a, I don't know, kid on the beach. And Adam Max did look like a, you know, just an Adonis. Like, great look, you know. Um, he's only been wrestling for seven years as I was looking up his, his career. He, he, um, he had a lot of potential. Kind of has that, like, that. Well, you see, he's not like the same size, like a Tom Brandy or Salvatore Sincere. Um, and, you know, like, he's he'd be a guy I could see WWE snatching up um and his work was good green but his work you know work was there's you can see the potential there you can see what you can work with and and like i said that that look and stuff he, he looks like someone you would see on national television and koe um both are really good had good you know good size on them um i think king killer was the one that with the hair and, and the other guy with the, the ball head guy, um, which I think was uh, Williams King or Kai Kai Williams, you know, they had like a good size. So they had good base to build on their bodies, to build on their look. Um, the match, well, actually it fell apart and it just really completely busted. Um, but the match really had no structure as a tag match. It was just a lot of spots. Um, KOE does... A lot of stuff that you see the young bucks do. I mean, they're great. They're good athletes, and they're and what's cool about them, they like I said, they have some size. Um, but there's no like build to a hot tag. There's no 
fucking great heat on the baby faces. It was just it was just a bunch of shit, you know. Um, and it just kept going and going and going, and eventually they kept going so long that this match just completely fell apart. People out of position, and ew, it was it was ugly, ugly finish. I felt bad for the guys, but you know, shit happens, and you just gotta learn from it and go on. But um, you know, but KOE, I I really saw potential in, and 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 Adam Max Maxage as well. Um, Luke Cairo, like I said, little guy. I don't know. I just didn't see much out of him, but um, definitely. That tag team KOE and Adam Max did as, as one that I want to watch in the future. Um, and let's hope that, you know, KOE, that they be, I would love this. I don't know who's book. I don't know who's booking or who's training out there, but they definitely would, you know, since Dan was back, Killian Dane, I think he would be a good guy to kind of talk to these guys because Damo's psychology is great. And, you know, you need a guy like that, a veteran guy like that on the, I mean, he's been different places, who's worked with different people to pass that knowledge on. And I, I would love to see this. I, I see some great potential in KOE and I want to see them grow. And I want to be just stuck in this just modern tag team wrestling where it's just a bunch of spots and building the, they think they're building hot tags or like cold tags. So I don't, I just, I hate seeing potential wasted. Right, so, and we'll see how they go. I mean, uh, you know, let's see. I hope they improve. They're just still young, so. Um. All of a sudden, Vince Russo started booking the show. <laughs> Jackson comes out, and he's interviewed by the ring announcer, my guy, si- Simon Cassidy. Right, and Jackson wants to put himself. In the demo Andy Wild match, put the title line. I'm like, no, don't fuck that match up, right? Let's, let's, let's don't make it a three way. I hate three way matches. Let's not do it, please. And then, thankfully, it didn't happen because the angle they shot. All of a sudden, this guy comes out with a, a mallet or some sort. I think, I mean, it's a, cr- a cricket mallet, whatever. Or, a, no, uh, uh, Oh god, what was it? Anyways, he just had something and he and his name was DCT and he attacks he attacks Jackson, knocks him down, and one shot too. <laughs> he's down. And Kaz Evans comes out and he's all apparently he has the a money in the bank gimmick where he can cash in his return match anytime, anywhere. And of course, he wins the championship. And I'm like, ugh, so, so, we overdone this whole money in the bank thing. And not, not just WWE, it's just because WWE started it, it just goes everywhere. And we see it on every show. Every promotion has some kind of money in the bank gimmick, and there's someone could cash in. And um, I don't think this really got much heat. It got the wrong kind of heat, in my opinion. If you're going to put the belt on Kez Evans, why can't he do something dirty to win the belt on night one? I don't know. Be creative with it. This wasn't creative. This was just copy of stuff that we've seen many times. As, as it keeps going on, it keeps getting less and less impactful. And sure shit, this was this was nothing. It was a 
I just this like I said, this is very Vince Russo esque swerve BS. And for people who are into Jackson with the title last week or last night, the night before, excuse me, now they see this. You know, it just just stop stop people copying stuff from WE and, and just just keep it simple. Keep it simple. Like I said, if you're going to put the belt on that guy anyways, he could have done something controversial in the match on night one. And why are you wasting valuable time on this show for this? I just, just I don't get it. But anyways, once I saw that goofiness, now the match I really wanted to see. Andy Wilde versus Damo. Damo is the former Killian Dane in NXT. And just like I talked about with Axel Tischer from WXW, the former Alexander Wolf, Killian Dane, another Sanity member. And I already went through last week's what I thought about Sanity, how they WWE screwed him up, how you know, all that stuff. Killian Dane, beyond Sanity, you know, was it? Yeah, it was a 2019. You know, he was getting his own push in NXT. On his own, he was, you know, Sandy, they released everyone, or not released everyone, they sent Alexander Wolf. they, you know, they, they released Eric Young, they couldn't figure out what to do with Sandy. Alexander Wolf, I believe, went to um, the NXT UK, he became part of Imperium, <coughs> and then Killing Dane stayed with NXT, and it was getting a singles push, I was like, you know, the badass big man, and... Killian a good worker. I loved his work in NXT. I loved how he would focus on a body part. He was usually it's the, the the midsection. He'd always get those great, great shots to the midsection. And of course, he does the big senton and you know really focused on that. And just, just his psychology is great. How come on WWE? How how do you not figure out anything for this guy to do on the main roster? How do you not make him a badass on your main roster? He's perfect for the main roster. Plus, he can cut a promo. Plus, like I said, his work is freaking great. How do you just not do nothing with this guy? And I'll tell you why. Why that is, because you have a bunch of writers, television writers, comedy writers who are looking for people that they can write their melodramatic bullshit with. They don't understand pro wrestling. They don't understand that you have this guy, Killian Dane, with this size, with his ability to work and convey being a badass, tough guy, a threat to your beloved baby faces. Because they don't know pro wrestling. And it just kills me. It kills me when I see this. It killed me when they let this guy go. Because he, like, why? He can't go up there and feud with someone, right? He feud with the baby face. Keep, like, who gives a, he, you know, hasn't come up on a win streak and face the baby face challenger. Maybe he loses that and he goes back down the card, but he could be a good quality, uh, heel in the middle of the car for a couple, you know, good three to four years, right? You could 
keep them fresh by switching brands every once in a while. You know, ah, just would kill me. So, like I said, from NXT UK, I saw Andy Wilde. Loved his work there. And this is what really brought me to this match. And the idea, they did a little video package on this match. Andy Wilde, he feels he's the best the best heavyweight in ICW. Dan was back. And they're going to prove it. So, when I was watching this match, I already I, I tell they're building to a rematch, right? They're doing very simple stuff. Big man shit, but it looked great. The, um, you know, the big man psychology stuff. That's like, you know, running into each other, shoulder tackles. Double clotheslines, no one gives an inch kind of shit, right? Looked really good. Um, and eventually, Killian Dane, or sorry, Damo. Let's call him Damo. That's his, that's what he's going, that's his back, back to his name. I want to say Killian Dane because, and by the way, totally changed his look. Back, kind of back to his old look, but he sh- he had the long stringy hair. He shaved it. Now he just has the bald head. Looks great. No more wearing a shirt. I, I I like this look in NXT, but I thought like, dude, why are you just why are you cover up the hair you back? That's part of his look, man. That makes him just more of a badass and more of like a like wow, man. Look at this guy, right? Like stands out. My wife Katrina when I was watching this match. Boom, that caught her attention right away. Like, oh man, I got a lot of. He's a hairy guy. Like, and but you know, and, I was, and she was watching a little bit of it. Like, it's a, it's an eye grabber because he doesn't look like everyone else on the show, right? So, this match was like I said, going good and just really good work. Big man stuff, big suplexes. Um, at one point, oh. Andy Wilde hits a exploder and and or or no over oh over the top belly to belly suplex on on Damo, and Damo oh my god looked like he landed right on top of it I believe he did, and that was a little scary, um but everything and luckily everything's cool, he was fine, and continue the match and they would you know, it was chaos it's 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 like you know, tit for tat this match was. Andy Wilde hit a bunch of suplexes, and Damo would get the advantage and hit a bunch of suplexes. Um, Andy Wilde hit this awesome gut rent suplex on Damo, and Damo took it, just went up so, so great for it. Wow, man. And just, oh, I loved it. I loved it. Um, then, uh, then they end up doing the big old. Uh, Superplex on the top rope that looked great, which I believe then proceeded to the gut run suplex uh, at, uh, at the gut suplex that proceeded to the gut run suplex, and in Andy Wild, you know, both has similar finishers. Both men have the uh, Vader bomb, and so you know it's, the match is really starting to cook now. And Andy Wild goes up for his Vader bomb, hits, hits it, rolls off because you know Killian uh, Damo has been. Working on the midsection of Andy Wilde the whole match. So he hits his move. He just, oh, he can't cover him because the pain of the midsection being worked over. You know, now he's selling, but then, ding, bell rings. (laughs) It was a 20 minute Broadway. The crowd's booing. And and the reason why they're booing is because. There was no time calls during this match. 
right? You can't do a time of the draw. You can't do a Broadway without doing time calls, not just for the match that's going Broadway. You have to do time calls for all the matches. When I was starting booking uh, officially for APW, my first book official booking job for all pro wrestling, when I had to book for the whole show, I did some smaller booking on another promotion, which was, I actually just booked a division of the promotion, but I finally got the book at APW. You know, I went... I knew I wanted to do Broadways because Broadways to me are very uh, important to do because you got to establish why there's time withdrawals and what and why there's a time limit and what could happen if the time runs out, right? Plus, it's a great way to build up rematches. Um, but you have to establish that, and you have to establish it throughout the night. Like if I was start doing time calls. For the matches going Broadway, people know it's going to go Broadway. So you do the five-minute calls for the opening matchup to the last match, the main event of the night, right? So the fans aren't screwed. They feel screwed. I know, like, I had this debate with people about Broadways. Some people think it's a, a, just a screw job. In a sense, I guess, right? Because it's screw jobs build to rematches. A Broadway builds rematches right so yes essentially it's a screw job and screw jobs to me aren't a negative if they're done here and there and to me if it's this screw job is legitimate because it goes to the time limit you establish that and it builds a rematch right like to me i love timeline draws i grew up not grew up i just i became a huge fan of all Japan from the 80s and 90s, especially the 90s when Baba went, you know, all clean finishes. And, you know, I loved it when they would go Broadway and I want to see more. And I, I guess that's, I guess that's the idea here, but without doing the time calls, people shit on it and they feel screwed because it just came out of like nowhere. Like all of a sudden you hear like the, all of a sudden, you see the referee like touches earpiece. Oh, 20 minutes, weighs it off. It just looks ridiculous. Like, first, I thought maybe Andy Wiles hurt, right? He's selling an injury from his the internal injury and he can't continue and blah, blah, blah. But it, it wasn't that. It was just a Broadway. And of course, they did the tease of five more minutes. Andy Wilde, the baby face, wanted to do five more minutes. And Damo was like ready to go, but then he, Bails out and says, hell no, not doing five. So, you know, that got some good heat. But the Broadway finish really took the crowd out of it. And poor, uh, you know, Simon Cassie, ring announcer, when he would announce the next match, like, and the following contest has a 20-minute time limit, the fans will just boo, right? And then they did that a couple times. And they even booed them when they said, I think he said the 30 minute time limit for the, the tag team title match later on on this same night. So you just can't do Broadways without establishing time calls because, like I said, people be screwed. But what was happening before then was a great match and made you really want to see more between these guys. So I just wish the finish was a little better. They could have done a double knockout. I don't think the fans would have cared if it was a double knockout because. 
that would have made sense. And then you could have had double knockout, both guys out, referees, officials, doctors come in, checking on both men. Both men kind of come to their senses. Both men want to continue to fight. Everyone's separating apart. Everyone's separating. Not because I got a little pull apart. Now, uh, you know, you could do that instead of just this, the Broadway that they did. That just didn't work. Last match, again, went a little long here, but there's a lot more matches to cover than I did last week. I'm, you know, it was a tag team title match, Kings of the North. And they're consisted of Bonesaw <laughs> and Damian Corvin versus the 9-9 of Jack Morris and Dickie Devers. So I this I wasn't gonna cover this matchup, but Throughout the night, they had promos leading up to the main, you know, to matches later on, and I saw promos from Kings of Notice and the Nine Nine, and each member of the team had someone I really wanted to see, and that being Damian Corvin and Jack Morris. Um, so I decided to watch this match. Um, Damian Corvin cut a really good, intense promo, reminded me of. Uh, Kind of reminds me of like look. Remember Horseshoe and and uh, and uh, in WCW and uh, I forget his name. He used in uh, WWE, but he had that size to him, right? Like he just you know has some intensity, great voice. Um, it was a good promo, good intense promo. And then you had Jack Morris, who looks like a movie star, action star, right? Chisel out of granite, good looking kid. Um, kind of looked like. Uh, a young, a younger, uh, true McIntyre. Um, so I was really interested in seeing um, that Bone Saw has been like wrestling for like twenty years, gray beard, gray hair. He <laughs> just he was he was he was he was fine. And then uh, Dicky Evers looked like a you know decent worker. He's been wrestling for oh, uh, I forget how many years he's wrestling for, but um, I, you know he was fine. But the guys that stood out for television, like for future, like you could see. You know, Damian Corvin, you can see Jack Morris, you know, you can see them on national television, right? And, you know, what I saw from Jack Morris was a good athlete, um, green, but what a canvas to build, to, to work with, right? Like just, and same thing with Damian Corvin. I know he's been wrestling for 15 years, but, you know, he was, some stuff he was very green at, right? Um but he has great intensity. Like I said, great size, great look. Um, I w- he would benefit greatly, you know. I th- you know he, he he would benefit greatly for work with I think with more veteran talent. I know he's fifteen years. I know it says fifteen years here, but like he's lost fifteen years. But like you know, it's not it's not quantity of matches or quantity of years wrestled. It's quality of opponents to work with and learn from. So. But I, I love his love his potential. But this match here, shit for structure. No structure, no build up the hot tag, nothing like that. It was just like cold tag city. And the finish, oh my god, the finish was ridiculous. Once again, Vince Russo showed up. And check out this finish. It, Jack Morris, I think he hits a like the. All of a sudden, like double team moves start happening. Jack Morris is in the ring. He gets close signed by Bo- Bo- Bonesaw. I love saying that name, Bonesaw. What a name! And uh, and then 
Dickie Devers, these names, man, these two guys' names, uh, hits Bonesaw, right? And then here comes Damian Corbin with this big forearm shot. Bam, and knocks out, knocks out Devers. He goes face first down. Boom, right? Good looking bump. And the referees just like jumps in front of Corvin and starts getting his earpiece, throws up the X sign. Everyone's confused. He puts the he pulls the heels, the Kings of the North to go in the corner. And they start like, you know, now there comes the doctor, here comes the officials. You know, everyone's concerned. The heels are concerned, like, oh man, this is beyond this went off script. And I I, I, I was first I was like, wait. Let me just watch that shot again. And clearly it was a workshop, right? Forearm. You know, uh, I believe uh, when Corbin, he made the big sound from the slap in the back of Devers as he hit the forearm or, you know, you can see him hit. Yeah, you can see him hitting his back. Boom. Down he went. So, okay. I knew it was a work right away. So at that, I knew it would work at that point. I'm like, okay, it's a work. What's going on here? But what I don't understand, okay, well, well, before I get to that, so what happened was, Everett's concerned, doctors are checking on Devers, now he's not the legal reign, Jack Morris is the legal man, right? The referee's putting on his gloves, and I don't see any blood, but the referee's, he's putting on his gloves for some reason, and they roll Devers out to the floor, and you wouldn't do that if a guy was seriously hurt. You think he's knocked out. You're not going to let him roll out to the floor and help. You know, even if you got him to the floor, you just wouldn't move him, right? You wouldn't move him from that position. So, okay. And then all of a sudden, Jack Morris in the ring, and everyone's just like, oh, man, you know, oh, shit. You know, can't believe this happened. And Jack Morris, you know, they, they start, in the, in the Kings of the North, they start high-fiving each other. Like, oh, man, it's all good, bro. Shit happens. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the Kings of Nord just, you know, as Jack Moore turns his back, they attack him, put him in their finisher. Boom. Referee is like, oh, like, what are you doing? And they cover Jack Morris, and the referee counts one, two, three, and the place goes, uh-huh. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Like, like, what heat did this get? How stupid is this finish? If the <laughs> he knocks the guy out and he can't cover him <laughs> for the finish, right? Like this is supposed to be a real contest, people. If he knocks the guy out, shouldn't you the referee call the guy call the match? Or if he's gonna cover the guy, let count him out, even if the finish is fucked and it's not supposed to go that way. You have the referee, your job is to count the finish when the guy is down, right? Then tend to the guy, right? If it's just a knockout cover, boom, like that's the finish. That's what happened. The guy didn't kick out because he was quote unquote knocked out, right? Like, and this was a if he really was knocked out. So what the why do this bullshit Vince Russo swerve crap? So you mean tell me, okay, that that was real. That was real, but just this, I don't know. I don't know what the fuck they were trying to do here. It's really pissed me off. And I hate to end this show on this note, but like, what the hell? 
overbooked bullshit that made no damn sense at all. It got zero heat. It's, I don't know who thought this was a great idea. Who thought this, someone probably thought this was clever. And no one said how stupid this was. If the guy is going to be knocked out, why wouldn't he cover him? Why is the referee stopping it? Why wouldn't the referee stop, or why wouldn't he stop it and get the guys the belts? I just, I don't get it. I don't get what the fuck they did here. Why they would do this? It was just completely stupid. I'm sorry. Just being honest here. No way to sugarcoat this. It was dumb. And just unfortunate. And I know there was another match later on, and I, I just didn't watch the main event for night two. It was a hardcore match. I saw board of <laughs> barbed wire. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to watch that. That's, uh, we know what that is, right? So, but this fit, I mean, this finish really just irritated the hell out of me because I'm like, what the heck, dude? They're concerned. This is real. We went off script. Oh, this killed me. This killed me. It did nothing but confuse this audience. So everything else was bullshit. I mean, people took bigger moves earlier tonight, and the referee didn't try to stop knockout. It's just, God, God, stupid, 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 stupid. So, anyways, my overall experience at ICW, I would say it was overall. I liked a lot of talent that I saw. That I, that I, a lot of talent that I saw that could be potential could move on to bigger and better things on the national scene. Definitely some people I would invest in if I was WWE or AEW. I shouldn't always say WWE. I just say because they're on the network, you know, there's just that there's that there's that streamline there, you know, to WWE. But a, but AEW, Tony Khan should look at this international talent. And when things start opening up again and travel, I mean, travel is technically opening is opened up. I mean, for the most part, I mean, I'm sure they can figure out something, you know, but when you look into the future, like the, the UK scene has just great potential and, and it's a great talent to work with. And um, so you definitely invest in. So uh, I'll wrap it up here real quick. Cause I, like I said, it was <laughs> went a little longer than I wanted to, but you know, like a lot of, it's a lot of stuff to cover on here. And so thanks for sticking with me for this long show, a little longer than usual show, but um, you know, like I said, a lot to cover and I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you enjoyed my coverage of Insane Champions Wrestling. I hope you check it out on the network and on Peacock, excuse me. And let me know what you think of these matches or this ta- these, ta- these talents that I talked about. And, um, yeah, so thanks again. Uh, look forward to talking to you guys next week and doing another Take It Home podcast. Thanks for joining me. Appreciate it.